I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Dave. Thank you. My name is Dave. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, Dave. And uh, I'm here to share my experience, strength, and hope because John made me come up here. And, uh, uh, I'm an old man. I don't like to drive, but uh, we did it. Uh, thanks to Steve's support. So my my experience is uh, I was born uh, May the 22nd, 1944. Uh, my the name on my birth certificate was Robert Lee Henderson. My name is David Edwin Burge because my mother was uh, my father was a, a chief in the Navy, and he had and in World War II the guys had a girl in every port. That was my mother. So I was the second child. Uh, born to this woman, I can't remember her name, it's a Portuguese woman, and and so the, the first child, my mother told me this when, about when she went to adopt me out of the orphanage, and uh, she said that the lady had uh, one child out of wedlock and two was unacceptable. She kept the first one and, and gave me to the orphanage, you know. So uh, uh, I, uh, I, I, I was cross-eyed. When my mother adopted me, and they and uh, and she and so they had to take me to Doctor Bond down in the Bank of America building and had an operation on my eyes, they had to fix my eyes. So, uh, and uh, I was I remember when I came in the program at 32 years old, I slept with the lights on, and I didn't know I never knew why. And uh, I, a guy shared at a meeting that uh, he slept with the lights on, and he'd done an inventory on it just because he was scared of the dark, and it was it had to do with his abandonment issues, which opened up a whole new understanding about why I had to, you know, when I was adopted, I had to sleep with the lights on. Uh, and uh, I went back and visited 804 Raven Street in San Diego, where I grew up, and uh, and, and my mother would accidentally close the door, and I, would, I remember just going nuts, just stark terror is what I wrote. It scared the hell out of me, and uh, I didn't know that I had abandonment issues until I somebody started talking about it in 1985 or whenever they started. Uh, Janet Wooded started writing those books, you know, with about all that stuff. And so um, uh, that just opened all kinds of doors for me. But uh, so my mother, uh, I was afraid of so many things that my mother was wonderful, and uh, she would. Uh, do you know? Do the only thing she knew uh, to to calm me down, and that was to give me something to eat. You know, and uh, and, and it was it was these things in a box that were crunchy, and uh, and so she would set me down with that box and, and a glass of milk, and I would eat half the box, and then she would say, "Well, you know, that's gluttony to eat that much." Well, she was right, you know. But uh, so I learned at a very young age how to comfort myself from all the things I was afraid of, and. Uh, and that carried on until I was 32 years old and uh, came to Overeaters Anonymous uh, reluctantly after going to, uh, I lived, when, I was in, when I was 20 years old, I weighed 241 pounds. I remember that because I went to Dr. Stanley Z. Gilbert, my first diet doctor, uh, in Azusa, California. And I got in line with all the ladies. He'd rented a house there uh, in Azusa. I, I worked for a guy who was in automobile racing, and a guy hired me. Uh, to, to build engines for his racing car, uh, and 
And he said, you know, well, you, you know, you've got to do something about your weight. You know, and he said, I go to this diet doctor, and he took me there, and you paid the guy three bucks, and he gave you this little packet of these little pills, you know, which were amphetamines. I, I didn't know anything about that stuff. All I knew was when I took the, uh, one of them before each meal, I wasn't hungry. So, and I, I, I started to lose weight, and I, I was really excited. I came down to visit my mother, and uh, she said, well, what, what's happened to you, Sonny? You, how'd you lose all that weight? I said, well, I go to this doctor, and he gives me these little pills, and my mother, I was, she said, well, those aren't good for you. I was, I was really pissed at her, I remember, because, you know, can't you be a little more supportive, you know? And uh, I ended up, I'd go back to him, and I'd say, well, you know, I'm starting to get hungry, so I'll take a, just take two at each meal. And uh, I think I was up to about five pills at each meal, and there was a fellow that I knew from the races, Charlie Potter, who OD'd on heroin, and he used to take me to the, <laughs> like to take me to the diet doctor, because, I can understand. Well, you don't need to lose any weight. Why do you want some of these pills? He says, I just, I just like to have a bag of them. You know? So I asked for an extra bag of things, and Charlie would take them. You know, for, for you know, it's a good trade-off. He'd drive me all the way to Azusa to get the get the pills, and I moved to San Diego, and and, uh, and uh, I had to move back to San Diego because I didn't get along with my boss, and he and you know he let me go, and I, I was sleeping in my station wagon, and I said, well, I better go back home to mom. You know. Because I'm also uh, a weak male. I come from being a weak male. I didn't know that, you know. And uh, so, uh, I, you know, I just want to go back to mother, you know, or a woman to take care of me. And uh, so uh, that's where I was in those days. And uh, my, my father and I, uh, my father was a rugged individual kind of guy. And he liked to get in fisticuffs. I've never been into that stuff. So I used to watch my father stop the truck and get out and beat the crap out of somebody. And he was a little guy, and he was a tough guy. You know, and, and, uh, and, and I used to scare me. His anger scared me to death. You know, and, and we, never, we never prayed at dinner. We never talked about feelings. But I remember my mother and father fought all the time over money and all this stuff. So that's how I grew up with these two people fighting until my mother went to uh, a... Uh, what they call well, she went to what they called them. They didn't have treatment centers. They called them insane asylums. And she said that my father caused her to have a nervous breakdown, and so she would go in these places, and the doctors they would treat her, and my father would get into a lot of self pity and everything, and beg her to come back. And then he'd come back, and then within a week they'd start fighting again. And it, and it scared the crap out of me, being a little adopted kid. Uh, and I wondered how I got screwed up, you know. And uh, so. Uh, my, uh, as as I as I ended up, you know, taking these diet pills and everything, I moved back to San Diego. Uh, I I worked for this guy at a speed shop down there, and I'd say, you know, he said, well, we'd like to hire you. You know, you got a lot of skills and everything. I said, yeah, but every 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 uh, Wednesday, the first Wednesday of the month, I have to go to my doctor in Azusa, you know. And so I, I would, he would let me use, the, I'd pick some things up and uh, up, up, up at uh, Long Beach at Mickey Thompson. So I'd drive up there and then I'd go over to Azusa and come back down. He said, as long as you're going up there, you can use the truck and go to pick all the stuff I need up from, <laughs> from the vendors in Los Angeles. So it was a really nice trade-off. And one day he said, by the way, Dave, he said, why, what, why do you go to the doctor and what do you guys, well, I, I'm, on a, I'm on a diet. That's how, and I'd get these pills. And his wife was standing there and says, hell, you can get those anywhere. And, 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 you know, it's like I've always put people on a pedestal, and 
Dr. Stanley Z. Gilbert was God to me because he had these magic pills. You don't understand, you know. I mean, and, he, and then to, to break that that whole uh, innocent thought of mine that you could get them anywhere, which just blew me away. You know, so, so I, you know, uh, I I thought, uh, you know, he said, well, I, I can't have you doing that, you know, for something silly like that. So I couldn't go to L.A. anymore, you know. Uh, and uh, so uh, I went out on my own, and of course I uh, went to work, and I, and being a compulsive overeater. I, I started to you know to eat and gain my I gained my weight back you know and then uh, and then uh, I I I uh, because I was thin uh, uh, women you know started to get attracted to me so uh, and I didn't know what to do about women because I was I was, a, I was a, the normal big fat guy who that's how I got involved in automobiles and things like that because I didn't know what to do with women and. My parents fought all the time, and that was a real uncomfortable. I liked women, and I thought they were real pretty. But when I lost all my weight and came back to the bowling alley where I used to hang out, I used to dream about this uh, having a relationship with this woman, Judy Rudensky. I thought she was gorgeous, you know. And I lost all my weight. I weighed 190 pounds. I came back to the bowling alley, and she did what I always dreamed of. She ran up and threw her arms around me and says, Dave Burge, you are gorgeous. And I didn't know what to say to her. So I did the only thing I could do. I went down to 7-Eleven and bought a bunch of goodies. <laughs> I, I didn't know I did that until I started writing. I mean, I, I didn't know what... I, I, all the, I just didn't have the courage to say anything to her, you know. So, uh, so uh, you know, I, and of course, I started eating again, you know. And uh, just really, uh, when I got in the program, I found out that I was angry at myself. I didn't know that at the time. I just, you know... And somebody said, you know, thank you. Know, I heard a guy, a guy that was an alcoholic. He said, "Thank God I had alcohol, or I would have committed suicide." You know, well, thank God I had the food to go back to. I would have killed myself. You know, because I, I, I take my drug away from me. I got to have something to replace it. So, um, so after, so without telling you about all the doctors I went to, uh, I went to the, this one, the last doctor I went to about my weight was Doctor Marijanian, and she was a doctor of internal, internal medicine at Kaiser Permanente. And she said, uh, well, Dave, just and she had this diet, and she says, go on this diet and follow the diet, and you'll be fine, and come back and see me in, in a month. You know, So I'd go on the diet, I'd lose weight. I said, man, wait till the doctor sees me, and I weighs me. I lost all this weight, you know, and I'd go back there, and she says, that's very good, you know, and you're doing fine. She had this, clinic, I call it a clinical smile. It's wonderful, you know, it's, like, it's painful for her to smile, you know. And, and, uh, <laughs> And so, uh, you know, I, I lost all this weight and everything, and, 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 the, and the guys at work at the Christmas party said, look, Dave, you lost all this weight. Come on, have something food to eat, you know. And, of course, I still had the compulsion. I wasn't in the program. So, yeah, you know, my mind said, yeah, you know, I've lost all this weight. I'm doing great. I could just probably have uh, Christmas dinner with the guys and have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. You know? And, of course, once I started, that craving started, you know, like it says in the big book, and... So I keep thinking about this food I had, and so pretty soon I'm, you know, I'm, I'm eating it, you know, and uh, the obsession takes over, and I'm, I'm gone, you know. So and my weight comes back on, and then they had this wonderful thing. I read about it somewhere. Somebody told me about it. The stomach bypass surgery. This was back in 19, in the, you know, and probably in 19 in the 70s, you know. And so I went back to Dr. Mary Jane, and I said, Look, I'm nuts. I know that. I, I knew. I found this thing. I, Anybody that eats like I am, I told her, is crazy. You know, I, I got a psychological problem or something, you know. 
I want the bypass surgery, and I had, the, I mean, I had the argument all down there. I pay $62 a month for health insurance. I ought to be able to get what I want. She says, well, Dave, I, you know, that surgery is for people that are at risk. I, What's that mean? She says, well, you don't have, your, your blood pressure is normal. There's nothing wrong with you. You don't have diabetes. You don't have any of these things. And I was disappointed that I didn't have diabetes. I really felt that way, you know, because I just knew that if I had that bypass surgery, I could, you know, eat whatever I wanted to. And uh, she wouldn't give it to me. So I got, she said, well, just follow the food plan and you'll be fine. And I left there very disappointed and uh, I went out and ate, you know. And then, uh, and, and, I, and I, I, I'm sorry, I went back and when I was back there, she says, well, you know, if you think you've got a psychological, maybe you just need some support. Why don't you go to one of these weight loss programs? I said, well, what, what is that? She says, well, there's Weight Watchers and there's Overeaters Anonymous. I said, well, what's the difference? She says, well, I don't know too much about them other than Weight Watchers cost money and Overeaters Anonymous doesn't. <laughs> and that's why I'm here. I, that's why I came to Overeaters Anonymous. It doesn't cost anything. So, I, you know, I'm not going to spend any money on myself. I know none of you are that way. But I uh, thank God, you know, that you, you take care of yourself. But uh, I came to my first meeting, and I wore a big Mac shirt, untucked from Sears. They probably don't make them anymore. And my gray pants and my gray work stuff, and I had my Fu Manchu mustache, and I weighed over 300 pounds. And I looked, you know, looked at everybody like a guy I've been sponsoring that sits in the back of the room. That's the way he, I said, Alex, you sit in the back of the room, and you look like you're pissed off at everybody. But he said, Well, maybe I am. I don't know. So, and I understand that. He doesn't know. So. So I, I went to that meeting on Wednesday night, and people would say, and it was wonderful because those people understood me. Finally, I met some people for the first time that ate like I did, and that and they welcomed me. And even and, and, and even though I was this big guy, they, they, it didn't matter. And they and they and they stood up and introduced the speaker, and she was this little bitty woman named Ida, and they passed these pictures around to this huge woman. And I rudely asked this lady, I said, what, what are the pictures of the fat lady for? She said, the lady is talking right now. And I, and I did what I always did in those days. I followed her around. I took her to meetings. I did, and she was grateful. I gave her rights to meetings. I, what do you eat? The whole thing. And she said, you know, she said, get a sponsor and do what the sponsor tells you to. And in those days, we had a food, step, and a maintenance sponsor, you know. And the food, and so the food sponsor sounded good because I wanted to lose weight and get the hell out of Overeaters Anonymous. Because these people that I smoked marijuana with wanted to know where I went. I'm like, where the hell are you going? What's the idea? I go to this meeting. I go to this meeting over there. What kind of meeting? Oh, it's this meeting over here where a lot of people are there. But what do you what do you go to the meeting for? Oh, we just sit around and talk. And you know, after they do the 20 questions, you know, they don't get the answer. They say, oh, the hell with you. You know, they quit asking you the questions. You know, and I don't want anybody to know that I went to Overeaters Anonymous. You know. Because pride heads the list of my character defects. I don't know about you, so I'm certainly not going to admit that. And I just so I they, they had the food plan. They had the gray sheet food plan, and you, boy, there wasn't much to it, you know. And I got a sponsor, Helen, who was the woman in the meeting that looked the best and had the biggest breasts. <laughs> that's how I picked my being a man. That's how I picked my sponsor, you know. And she had three kids, one of them, which I, I don't remember all their names because I'm too self-centered, but I remember one of them, the name was Stephen, because I'd get on the phone and I'd call my food in, and she said, just a minute, Stephen, get off of there. You know, I'm sorry, Dave, that Stephen's up on the, uh, and he's got a, now, okay, what were your two eggs and an orange? Stephen, 
I'm telling your, fa- your father when he gets home, and, and so, uh, you know, and we've lost, and I got in a contest with her, being a competitive male, to see who lost weight the fastest. And in those days, men, I think they still do, if we go on the same food plan with a woman, we lose weight faster, you know. That's the way it was. And so, I, man, I got, I lost all my weight. My fingers were freezing. I was on this food, you know, this starvation food plan, you know. And, 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 uh, my toes were, cut, my, and, and, and uh, it's summertime. I lived in El Cajon. God's sake, it's 100 degrees out there, you know. And I and I couldn't go to the bathroom, and so I ended up at and you know almost in the emergency room. And this German doctor was there, and I says, "Well, I'm on this diet." He says, "Well, are you drinking water?" No, I. What kind of diet? I showed her that I says, "Well, you're not you, you know you're not getting any fiber, or you're not you know your body you know." And so she you know got me to take a slits bath and all this stuff with it. And, and I ended up having to take, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I had to take laxatives and, and, and enemas and things like that. You know, it's very embarrassing, you know, because I, you know, and she said, well, you got to get off of that food. I said, oh, hell no, you're not getting me off the food. So Lou Adler used to call it the gray sheet guilt a lot of us had, you know. If you're not on gray sheet, you're not doing it right. So that, that's the way it used to be. So uh, I'd lost all my weight and... Uh, and I was going to, and I found that I needed to go to more meetings, you know, because I was, you know, I, I my drug was gone, and I and I was at, I was a, I had a food sponsor. I didn't have a step sponsor because we called those people the God Squad. They'd come in with their big books in the meeting and all that shit. And, <laughs> and Helen and I, we'd go to coffee afterwards, and the and the food people would sit down here, and the step people, and they'd always invite us to their meeting and get out of here. And you were nice and polite and everything. And I said, well, thank you. Well, I'll try to make it on Monday night. It never came. You know. uh, uh, because uh, I was forced to go to the Methodist church as a little boy. My parents never went. But I had to go. And I, and I was in Sunday school. And the big 300-pound lady that taught Sunday school didn't like little boys that threw clay and drew outside the lines. And so she would, I remember she told me, you know, Jesus doesn't love little boys that throw that clay. And, then, you know, and so... My little mind doesn't know how to rationalize that. So, well, you know, Jesus doesn't love me, so God doesn't. And you can't get to God except through Jesus, so I'm screwed. Right? So I don't want nothing to do with God, Jesus, church, or any of that stuff. And I'm just in control, you know, and out of control and, and scared to death. Got a gun in my nightstand that's, you know, that I don't know what, I, I didn't know what to do with it, but I had it and I was afraid to shoot somebody, but I was afraid not to have it with the lights on and everything, so. I was a mess, you know, and, and then I lost all my weight, and I kept going to these meetings, and women, and there was not, there wasn't, I think there were, the men in the program in those days was Virgil, Jose, Rick White, and he was crazy, and, uh, you know, and Ignacio, and Jose, and that was it, you know, and Dan came along, and until the Navy guys came, that's all we had, I knew all the guys in the program, you know, and I think I, I went to the meeting I went to Wednesday night, W.D. Hall School, 2nd Pepper, in El Cajon, and uh, there were 12 people in the meeting, and they were all women. And a lady said, you know, she says, you know, there's a guy named John that's going to come to the meeting. I was excited. She said, he's, he's in the Navy, and he'll be here in a couple of months. And I was so excited to meet John, another man in the program. And the guy comes in, he says, have you read the big book? Have you done your inventory? I didn't like this son of a bitch, you know. <laughs> and he gave me a big book, and he says, I'm going to, and a 12 and 12, a big book and 12, 12 he says, I'm going to give you these books because I'm sure you'll never buy them. But maybe you'll read them someday. Oh, what an arrogant bastard. You know, I didn't like him at all. You know. And I still have the books, and I've, they're all marked up, and I've read them. But anyway, uh, moving along, um, uh, 
these people with this with this God Squad people with these big big books and everything, they kept bugging me and bugging me to to do work the steps. And you look, you've lost your weight. I know you bring your big pants to the meeting and show us how much. You got to get past that, Dave. There's more to the program than weight loss. And, oh shit, yeah. And and uh, you know, gosh, it just you know, uh, I was just flying around the room. Or and and I one day I just crashed, you know, and I got scared and. And so this lady came, and she smoked cool cigarettes. She could smoke in the meetings in those days. And she invited me to the Wednesday night Kensington meeting. And I went down there. I got a resentment, so I'll, go to, I'll piss on you guys. I'll go to the Wednesday night meeting. I'll show you. All these people that love me and care about me. So I, I went down there, and the meeting was huge. It was full of people in 1977 or something. And... Uh, and and I walked in the door, and this guy Jose says, "How you doing? My name's Jose. You done your inventory yet?" And I said, oh my God, you know. So so then I met a lot of people down there. Went to coffee, and uh, so, and 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 there was a guy there that came from the AA program uh, that that stopped drinking and started eating, and he was a big guy and seemed like a really nice fellow, you know. And and, uh, and he uh, you know he, he uh, said uh, you know what's going on and all that stuff. And I said, and a lady called me from Escondido, which is 40 miles away. And I went up there and led a meeting. And I remember at those days, I thought, man, Dave, ain't you something? You drove all the way to Escondido to lead a meeting. You know, isn't that, I mean, I thought that was really, you know, really something, you know. I made, I didn't accept any money. And I thought, I just was really full of grandiosity. And the lady said, well, you know, we don't get very many people up here. Can you, if you think of anybody else, especially a man that could come up there and lead the meeting, it would be great because we got a couple guys up here. So this guy, I got to know this guy, Pete, and I thought, well, what a smart ass, you know. I think he knows everything. He's a salesman, and he's got this, well, he's got a great pitch at the meeting and everything. I said, we'll see if he wants to work the program. So I sent him to Escondido, you know. So well, we'll see how much he wants the program. And so the lady called me up the next day. She says, well, thanks for sending that guy up here. He was great. He took us all out to coffee and the whole thing. I said, man, this guy's for real, you know. And so he became my first, my second male sponsor. And he's the guy that set me down and helped me write an inventory because I couldn't do it. And he's the guy that said, you know, he says, you have too much trouble. He says, you've got a Jesus problem. And you can't read this big book because you have a problem with God. So he had me read another book, which I won't tell you what it is because it's not a, a, a official. I'll tell you after me. And I read the book, and, and, and it was the best thing I ever did because it got me to where I could accept reading the big book. And uh, and then I, then somebody uh, somebody said, you know, uh, why don't you come to one of these serenity retreats? They still have them, you know. And and I, I said, well, what I want to do something like that for? You know, I watch football games on the weekend. I'm busy, you know. So, so, and the guy that was on the retreat committee that followed me around, and he was, I couldn't understand it because the guy was a, a teacher. He was a basketball coach. He was highly educated. And I'm a mechanic, you know. I work with my hands, wear coveralls, get all dirty. This guy, a big house in Tierra Santa. And he says, can I, can I go to a meeting with you? I want what you have, you know. And he paid my way to the retreat or I wouldn't have went. It cost 32 bucks in those days. I wouldn't pay it, you know. I went up to the retreat. I took my football, my radio, all this stuff, you know, because I, I just, you know, and I, I never could spend any time by myself. I always had something to the radio on or something. And I went up to that retreat and, uh, wow, it was unbelievable. And uh, there was a guy up there named Bill who led the retreat. And he he had a way of communicating the big book that I I'd never heard before, and 
and uh, and a lady that's still in the program. Uh, I had a I had my first cathartic experience. I started to cry, and I couldn't stop crying. I cried all night, and uh, and this lady held me and said the third step prayer for me for the, for the first time. And I remember the next day and the Monday after that, the the, the obsession to eat was gone, and I I couldn't understand it. And, I, and uh, people said. That's, I said, what's, I'm going crazy. I'm crying. I'm out, I'm out of control. I said, no, you're, God, you're growing. You know, you're, you're, you're doing great. You know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't understand it. You know, because I'd never cried in front of anybody. If I cried, my dad smacked the crap out of me. He said, you cry, I'll give you something to cry about. Well, we've heard this from you all for years. You know, and 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 you know, and he would say, well, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Well, that's the only way. When I wrote about my dad to get rid of, forgive him before he died and all this stuff to get rid of the resentments. Uh, I, re- I had to write his life story and talk to my uncles and aunts and what it was like to grow up with my dad, you know. But his father died when he was 40 years old, and so he was the head of the household, and he and he had to raise his brother and his sister and and uh, and take care of the family. He had to, 14 years old. He had to drive an oil truck to get oil from L.A. and drive it back up north, and, and he he had to grow up too fast, you know, and. Uh, so that's the only way. My uncle told me. He said, "Yeah, my, your dad was uh, was cruel to me, you know." And uh, and you know, I listened to my dad. He said, "Yeah, Leland was a handful. I, I didn't know how to. I never. I didn't know how to be a father." And so I I began to understand my father's uh, behavior as I as I grew in the program and 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 let this man help me with my inventory. Because he's. I thought all you had to do is write. You got to write about all my terrible character defects and all that stuff. But he had me write about my relationships, which was entirely different. But, uh, and then uh, I kept going to these retreats. They asked me to be on the retreat committee, and uh, and I and I'd look at this guy Mike, and he was a treasurer, and and he and he was registered all these people and had all these books and everything. And I thought, man, that guy's really smart. I could never do that. And he said, you know, someday you'll be the treasurer of the retreat committee. And he invited me to be on the retreat committee. I couldn't understand it. You know, because my whole concept of myself was I was fat, dumb, stupid, and ugly. I was 173 pounds, but I still thought I was fat, dumb, stupid, and ugly. And uh, and people would tell me, you know, Dave, you need to love yourself. Before I just want somebody to love me, and they'd say, Dave, you need to learn how to love yourself. You know, before that happens. You know, and I hated that. God, I hated that. You know, and I go from one. My wife divorced me because my my divorce paper said. Responded, suffered severe personality change as a result of of involvement in the program of Overeaters Anonymous. That's almost verbatim what it said on there. And I was crying, and my sponsor was laughing. And he said, "Thank God." And then his girlfriend, who's now his wife, said, "Pete, Dave, look at Dave. He's just..." You know. And he said, "My well, God, you know, he's, he's, he's you know, thank God he, he, he suffered a personality change." Well, I didn't understand. That. I said, well, "The program has ruined my family," you know. And so I'm sleeping on Rick White's couch, and uh, and, that, and that's when I started to surrender. You know, I, I lost everything, and then I started this uh, just for me this quest to find out about my higher power and, and about trusting God. And so I'm watching all these uh, ministers on TV. I'm going to <clears throat> you had a seminar. I went to it. You know, on on human potential. It all helped me. It helped me with my helped me uh, learn how to say act with, affirm things for myself. And it helped get rid of some of the negative thinking, so I could come back and and, and work the program. I, I was suicidal in my third year, and a guy sponsored gave me a dime and said, "You got to call somebody." I turned my money over to him, 
because I was going to end it, you know. And, I, uh, and what broke it down is I was the secretary of a Saturday night meeting, and I forgot to close the windows in the church, and a lady that got, got us to church called me up and chewed me out, and I was standing there with a butcher knife trying to get the courage enough to kill myself. And, and, and instead I got angry at her for chewing me out about the meeting, you know. And so those are all a water a turning points for me. Uh, doesn't sound very good. So uh, I spent most of my life in, you know, I mean, many, four or five years in recovery. Uh, in what I read a book and it talked about uh, grandiose ascension. And man, I had to start writing when I read that because that's exactly what I do, you know. Uh, I'm not good enough to be a member of Old Readers Anonymous. I have to be the chairperson of the intergroup. I was almost one of your trustees until I, I talked myself out of it. They, everybody was going to vote for me, you know. And I didn't want to be a oh, I didn't want to be a World Service trustee, you know. So and and then I go to church. I went to church. Started going to found a church I liked, and I started going to it. And I asked the minister if I could do service, and he said yeah. And and, and so I went from there to to being the youth coordinator, and then the people. I had I I built this big youth group. <laughs> I had the best youth group, and uh, and then the, 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 some of the ministers. Well, why don't you run for the regional youth consultant position? Well, I couldn't do anything else. But I didn't want to be the regional youth consultant, and I did that. And I did such a great job at it. They made the position full time, and they wanted me to retire from the government. Well, I couldn't do that, so I I resigned. And you know, and so and I and I always left all these things. Uh, even in when I was in automobile racing at 21 years old, uh, I, I, people all wanted me to work on their racing car because I, I'd go around and because I, I didn't have any confidence myself, I'd go around and ask all these engine builders, what do, what do I do with these spark plugs? What, well, how much spark lead or how much overdrive, how much nitro are you running? All I said, and I said, well, blah blah blah. I said, well, do this, Dave. This will work. And, and so it would work. And, all the other guys, most of the other guys, they were they had a lot of pride, and they wouldn't ask those questions. So, you know, I learned a lot from, you know, just like the program, following the instructions. Yeah. So, uh, I, 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 when I discovered that, I, I, I was I was accepted into the <laughs> the ministry for God's sake. I can't be a member of the church. I have to become a minister. And so I did all kinds of work. I did all kinds. Of, they turned me down the first year. The minister got angry, and he and he wrote a letter. He says, "What does this guy have to do?" And they told me, and I did it. You know, I I, I chaired a international youth. Uh, what was that thing called? I can't remember. Some big conference. I was the chairperson of the registration, and I did all kinds of uh, workshops and studied and all that stuff. And uh, and they they accepted me. And uh, and I said, "My God, I don't want to go." <laughs> So I was really confused. Well, when I read this book that's not program related, I began to understand uh, what happened to me. And I could do some more intense step work on it. Uh, and uh, you know that 12 and 12 says the libraries and bookstores are a treasure trove for all seekers. You know, So a lot of people say, don't read that AA 12 and 12, stay in the big book, you'll get drunk and all that stuff. I think that's foolishness. You know, There's so much good stuff out there to help me. The group, the, the therapy helped me. Uh, everything I've ever done, spending $2,000 on all those seminars helped me. Uh, uh, hanging around with people that, you know, that are, you know, two, you know, that make a lot of money, changed my prosperity consciousness. Going to church helped me. The, going to the meditation classes helped me. 
uh, it's just amazing. And I'd, I'd re-audit the things, you know, because I needed more of it. And, and uh, so uh, today, uh, so I went along in 1986, I met my wife, my second wife. Right? I was single for a long time and uh, living by myself with the lights out. Go to the movie, take myself, my little kid, Dave. I got to say, they start writing this uh, inner child of your past and all these kind of books. And uh, uh, I went to the ACA meeting, you know, you know, all that stuff, you know. And everybody said, uh, I mentioned Alan on here because that's part of my program. Is somebody all all this time these women would tell me in the program, Dave, you need to go to the other program, the non program, the A non Alan on program. And I said, I don't need that, I need that stuff, you know. So I got married this gal who I knew when I, I knew my wife. We went through school. Went up to visit my mother in the mountains every year. She lived up in Northern California. That's where I grew up, up there in, in Tuolumne City. And uh, and my my wife used to live down the street with her sister and her brother. And 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 I noticed I used to remember when I was a kid. I, I never met her mother because her mother was never home. And so her what I found out later on is her family. Her family members would come by and watch out for the kids because her mother was out running around in the bars and everything. And she was divorced, you know. And so my wife happened to get alcoholism. Strange how that happened, you know. But, uh, and uh, so I, I, I you know, my, my mother, uh, who, like I said, protected me, I'd go up to see my mother and I, She'd say, well, you know, Diane James is over here, and uh, you ought to go see Jimmy Marr. All these kids I played with when I was a little kid, we moved away in the sixth grade. So I'd go up there, and I'd visit all these people, you know. And I'd say, well, what about Patty? Have you seen Patty? She said, oh, no, I no, no, Patty. No, no, about her. Well, all of a sudden, one day, my mother said, you know, i got to be honest with you. Patty asks about you all the time. We were really friend, real friends when we were little kids. We'd go to the movies together, and, you know, and... And uh, in the Fireman's Theater, for 15 cents, you get to watch the movies all day on Saturday. And uh, innocent little kids, you know. So 30 years later, my, my mother says, you should call Patty up. Here's her phone number. She asks about you all the time. And I didn't tell you about her because she had four kids, and I was waiting until they all grew up. She's trying to protect me. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. So, uh, you know, just like they say, when you're not looking... For somebody, they come along, you know. It was that kind of story. So, she came down to the house, and we talked for hours. And and I had this card that I had you know, from dating. No offense, I I, da- I was very angry at women in the program because you weren't perfect. You didn't love me. You didn't give me what you couldn't give me in the first place because I didn't. I wasn't able to love myself. So, you, you know, you would always, you know. Uh, Say, well, Dave, I gotta let you go, you know, so you can grow. That used to make me mad, you know, because I'm hanging on to you, you know. Don't let me go, and uh, I love you. Can I be come over tonight? Well, I gotta, I gotta go to work tomorrow. You can't come over every night, you know. And so, oh man, you know, I just, I needed, I was so needy, you know, and that's all I could be in those days. So uh, she came over. We talked. We hit it off just like when we were kids, and. And uh, and so I went back to San and we called each other on the phone. We were having this long-distance relationship. She came down. She said, well, if you don't ask me to marry you, then I'm going to ask you. So I said, okay. You know, I'm lonely anyway. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm better than I was, but I'm still lonely. So uh, so we got married, you know. And, and I said, well, wait a minute. Before we get married, you know, I got this card here. I don't, uh, I can't deal with people that drink or use drugs. 
I'm going to be in this cross-up program. I got my youth group I'm involved in. Is that okay? Oh, that's fine. I don't drink. I, and I remember her boys. She had two boys, and they were still at home. And, and they snickered, and she kicked them. You know, I, clue number one, right? I didn't listen to it. So, uh, so she came down, and, and uh, you know, then alcoholism happened. You know, and I mean, I went to hell. You know, she's well, you, you know, you love the program, you love the youth group. And then you love me. I know where I stand. Oh man, did I, did I did I buy that? Oh man, shame. Oh Jesus Christ, I can't. And then she's a great cook, you know. And so you know, I stayed home. I, you know, I quit running. And then I had all these all the, not, these friends in the program, which most of them were women, and they'd come by and we'd run. That was the best time. I was in great shape. I was running four miles a day with my friends. We were having a meeting while we ran. I taught them how to spit and the whole thing, you know. And uh, Ten minutes, and so uh, uh, so I stopped. Of course, when they my wife took one look at him, that was it. They didn't come around anymore, and so I quit running, and I lost my support group there. And so uh, that, I stayed home, and and, I, and and you know I started eating, and uh, and and I didn't go to as many meetings. I got off the retreat committee, and all this kind of stuff, and then. Finally, I just I got so upset that I, one day I, I there was a beer can sitting on the counter and I and I thought it was empty and I and I got my anger because I, I stuffed my anger down. I know none of you folks do that, but I hit that beer can thinking it was empty and it was full of beer and it almost hit my wife, you know, and it scared the hell out of her. And I thought, wow, and that scared me, you know. And I grabbed her and I said, you know, you've got to knock this shit off, you know. I used to take her to AA meetings and wait outside for them to fix her, you know. And I start. I told some woman in the program, just Dave, you've got to get over there. To, you got to come with me. So I went to the meeting, and I went in the meeting, and the lady, and the lady named Judy, who was an old timer, she says, you know, she listened to me at the meeting talk about my problems, and she said, you know, I've known a lot of people like you. They've been coming to this program for years. She says, and I'm real sure I can tell you what's going to happen to you. Said, what's that? She says, you're going to have a heart attack. I said, what? She says, that's right. I've seen it many times. I'm telling you. So, well, what should I do, Judy? She says, keep coming back. But she left. You know? And uh, I said, oh, I know what she's talking about. You know, she's pulling a trick on me. So I, I went to those meetings for six months. I mean, I, I got a sponsor. And I, and I used to go to the, uh, the men's thir- uh, once a month dinner meeting, you know, where we'd all, men, all the men in the other program would go to dinner. And I told my sponsor, Joe, I said, you know, the reason I do, I'm so prompt and, and uh, current at the, the dinner meeting, because I'm a compulsive overeater, you know. And he said, well, I, I, he says, maybe you should go back to get involved in your Overeaters Anonymous program. So I, you know, that program and being sponsored by Joe got me the courage to come back in LA and tell my wife, I got I to gotta go into this program. So, you know, and then I read the book after that, found out I was a weak male and that. Uh, I never had a male initiation. So uh, that's an ongoing process for me, like this program. Anyway, uh, I came back, and, and uh, man, it, just, it was a struggle to get abstinent again. And I had a sponsor, and I, and I lost. I, I, took, I did the, the powder stuff, and I lost weight. I was 50 pounds, and, and, I, you know, and I really kind of defiant about going back. I couldn't go back to the gray sheet, and... Nothing fit in, and I didn't have the willingness. And, and but uh, a guy named Mark says, you know, the one thing you need to do is keep coming back. That's the only thing you can mess up on if you don't keep coming back. And 
So I, I, I found these positions that I could fill that, <laughs> that I didn't have to feel uh, grandiose about, like loading the soda machine. There's no glory in that. So that's what kept me. I, I, I became the soda machine person. I ordered the soda, and, and, and it kept me coming back to the meetings, you know. And, uh, and slowly but surely, uh, I, you know, somebody, and I, I'm like a lot of other people, I said, well, I've got to write a whole other four-step inventory, you know. And somebody that's been around for us, no, you don't, Dave. You've been in the program a long time. You've already written a four-step. You need to do ten steps. And you need to get in the eleventh step. And you, need to, you need to get back to God. Let God come into your life. And you, you got all that stuff. I thought I lost everything. And people in the program state and I said, yeah, you lose everything. You just need to go back to what you know. And so uh, it's been a process of that. And uh, so... Uh, I got another sponsor uh, and uh, a guy I've known for years, and uh, he's 85 now. And he's a wonderful man, and uh, we talk quite often. I sponsor people. Uh, I sponsor a lot of people, and uh, and I uh, my day is like my day on Saturdays like this. Uh, and I and I, I I get up in the morning. I go for my walk. I get I get have my absent breakfast. Uh, it's, I write my food down. Uh, I, uh, the people that I sponsor, uh, they, this one guy tells me what he eats, and I tell him what I eat. Yeah, this is where I'm at. And, uh, uh, and, and well, I went to the doctor. I, I give, I've given blood over the years, and, and, I, and I found out the, uh, August the first of, I was scheduled to give blood. And I used to do it because it was you got a half a day off of work when you work for the government. So that's why I gave blood. It wasn't because of any. Because I'm here because of my circumstances, not by any virtue. So uh, there's a reason to get off work, so I gave blood. Well, I, I realized the other day I, I'd given 14 gallons of blood in 30-something years. So they didn't take my blood August the 1st because my hemoglobin was too high or something like that and my, too much iron in my blood and my blood pressure was 162 over 80 and they said, well, you know, we take it with your blood pressure that way because you're an old guy, 83, 63 years old. And, uh, and I, I was I'm retired, so I'd take a nap in the afternoon because I'm tired. And I thought, well, it's because I'm 63, I'm old. And when you get old, you get tired in the afternoon and you, you have to take a nap, you know. That's what happens. Dave's getting old, sore all over, you know. Go down and sit in the spa, feel better, you know. And so... Uh, I went to the doctor to find out, you know, and she said, well, here's what I want you to do, you know. And uh, she said, I want, you, uh, uh, I want you to exercise. Well, I do that, you know. And I want you to eat mostly fruits and vegetables and cut the salt. And all. You know, so it's always back to fruits and vegetables, you know. Ain't that some boring shit, you know. And so, but I've been praying for God to help me. And, and, uh, and that day and prior to that, this willingness started to come again, you know, that we all talk about. Uh, and and uh, I, I, you know, I was willing to follow directions again. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't get tired. <laughs> I don't get tired anymore. It's amazing, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, so I get up on Saturday morning. I go back to that. I go, I go to the post office. I pick up the mail for the office. I get on the computer. We have an answering service that, that gives us all the, the messages that came in through the email, and they answer the phone. They tell people where the meetings are. Uh, a friend of mine, named Gina, uh, 
and I uh, asked if we could do service in the office in 1999, and the, lady, and the people on the board says, well, yeah, I guess so. What do you, I said, well, we want to answer the phone. She says, is there any reason why the phone rings and nobody answers it? Well, the answering machine answers it, and it tells people to send a self-addressed stamped envelope in. We'll, we'll mail them back some information. You know? So we've changed all that. We took over the office. We volunteered. And we're not patting ourselves on the back. We did it because we wanted to recover. You know? And so we... Uh, am I done? Or? Three more minutes. Okay, so... Uh, we, 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 her and I decided that if we were going to recover, we had to do more stuff in the program. So her and I answered the phone. We answered all the phone messages. We, we took over the mailing, and we, we do a mailing, and we, we compiled another guy, a friend of mine. He, he donates all the envelopes. Another person donates the postage. And we, and we started getting the names of doctors and, and, uh, uh, and dietitians and things like that from around the San Diego area, and we do a mailing to them every month. And... Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we make sure the message gets carried. Uh, and uh, we make sure the 12-step happens. And uh, we've, we've done, uh, I think we did our sixth convention. Uh, we've done the dietitians, the nurses, the uh, National Medical Association. Uh, and we take, there's, a, there's an OA display that you can take to these conventions. And, and uh, there's funding you can get from World Service. And you let these people know that there's an Overeaters Anonymous. Because a lot of them don't. What we found is there's a lot of them that don't know us. And, and I think the most important thing, I'm trying to try to find somebody up here in L.A. The, the uh, California Dietitians Association loves Overeaters Anonymous. They're begging us to come to the Marriott when they have their convention. So if somebody can tell me who your public information person is, I want to hook them up with this lady. Yeah, because that, that's, you know, I want to make sure that there's an Overeaters Anonymous here until I, you know, get to roll me out of the room. Because it saved my life. And my wife, you know, my, uh, my wife and I, my wife's two years sober. I didn't cause it to happen. I forgave her. I learned more about loving my wife and accepting people than I ever could anywhere else because uh, I have something you can't take away from me. And that's, I, have a, I have a God inside of me that loves me, that's always with me, that lets me sleep with the lights off. You know? And uh, I, feel, I feel safe today, and uh, I'm not afraid as much as I am. I'm not perfect. I still have resentments and things like that. But, uh, I hope I haven't bored you to death, but that's my story. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>